0: Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Yes,
1: we are back. It is summertime. It is hot most everywhere. And the basketball is about to heat back up. And we're ready to talk all about NBA Finals and much more on this edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. And whether it be usually college football in the NFL during that season, college basketball we're being into. But this is summertime bonus of Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable and lucid host. He is senior handicapper, writer, Vegas Insider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers back with me. I can feel the excitement on the other end of our digital connection that you just cannot get enough of the build-up here for the NBA Finals, my friend. Or maybe you can, I'm not sure. Hello, welcome.
0: Hi, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I think we grew tired of Golden State Cleveland simply because Golden State won three of the four years and probably should have won all four, and even though... You know, these playoffs lack like LeBron James a little tough. You have, you know, another superstar in Kawhi Leonard, and there's some intrigue with Toronto. They haven't been to the finals ever. And it's just a little different, you know. I think that this is going to be a finals that's going to be unlike the rest of them during this warrior run, you know. And I know we're going to talk about it, but I really think that this, this, I don't think it's going to be as easy as Golden State's going to cruise. I really think Toronto can give them a series.
1: Well, and you make mention it's the first time that a Canadian team's ever been in the NBA finals, obviously, therefore the first time for Toronto. What did you make, because it is now unfolded since the last time that we talked and unfolded over the weekend, that Milwaukee won the first two games with home court advantage and Toronto then cleaned them out, winning three and four at home, winning game five at Milwaukee and then putting away game six, coming from behind to do so. What do you make of that? for Kawhi Leonard and for the Toronto Raptors?
0: You know, Game 1, they had in their hands, they let it slip right through, and they just fell apart in the last few minutes. Game 2, they got wiped out. And past that, and even Game 3, they should have put Milwaukee away in regulation. They had to go to double overtime, and they luckily won that one. They won Game 4 comfortably. Game 5, they fell behind. In Milwaukee, they came back and won. And then Game 6, they fell behind again, and they ended up winning with a big fourth quarter. It kind of felt a little similar to what Golden State did against Portland, falling in all those holes and coming back and winning. And it's just impressive. And it required Leonard to go to Toronto his first year after missing last year with San Antonio. They make the offseason trade of DeMar DeRozan, who's beloved there. They deal him to the Spurs. And Leonard comes in and basically gets them over the hump, finally, to the NBA Finals. Granted, he didn't have to face LeBron James. Like DeRozan did all those years, where they always ran into Cleveland and couldn't beat them. This time they missed them, but uh, Toronto still deserves a lot of credit. They were able to hold down Giannis and Tadekumpo for the last few games of that series. Milwaukee is a team that just you know they lived and died by the three, and it seemed like they died by it because they they didn't shoot the ball well in the last few games. And the other key was that Leonard didn't really have to carry it himself; that he got help from. Others from Kyle Lowry, which they need. They can't have Kyle Lowry have bad games. You're, you know, you get the help from guys like you know, Serge Ibaka off the bench. Also, Fred Van Vliet, the former Wichita State standout, had been on fire. So, you know, this is a Raptors team and Pascal Siakam as well. That Look, it's like anything else. You can't just have one guy lead you. You need to have help and the key to Toronto now in the series is very odd. They go from not having home court in the Eastern Conference Finals to having home court in the NBA Finals. You don't really see that kind of flip normally. But uh, this will be the first time that Golden State, during this five-year run, will not have home court advantage in the NBA Finals. only second time since Steve Kerr took over. They haven't had home court in a series. So it'll be interesting to see how this turns out with the Warriors playing the first two on the road.
1: Yeah, very true. And, and by the way, I should make mention, I misspoke on the podcast last week that Toronto did have a better record in the Eastern Conference. And so no matter what, Golden State was going to be on the road for the first couple of games. Important to point out, because Kevin's keeping me in the middle of the road, I'm such a longtime NBA fan. Uh, from way back, that that they used to do this 2-2, 1-1-1. And then Pat Riley, when he was coaching the Lakers, complained so publicly through the media vociferously that it was so unfair uh, that the Lakers in particular would have to go east to play Boston, come back home to L.A., then go back to the east to play a game five, and then potentially after coming back home for a game six, go back east. They went 2-3-2, the first two at the top seed, then stay where you are for three, and then the final two. And it was that way for many years. But back a few years ago, they went to the 2-2-1-1-1 format. So if, uh, for example, um, Golden State were to sneak one of these first two games, they could not simply put it away at home in Oakland is the point in games 3, 4, and 5. You would still eventually have to win a second game to put it away early in Toronto if you're them. So uh, that that's worth noting here um, on this front. And And again, kudos to the Raptors. Uh, because again, they they went, they went underwent some changes. You mentioned the DeRozan trade to get Kawhi Leonard. That obviously caused a lot of upheaval in Toronto when that move was made. They fired the coach, Dwayne Casey, didn't renew him, whatever you want to call it. Uh, put Nick Nurse in, who I don't think most NBA fans could pick out of a lineup, Kevin Rogers, but he has punched the right buttons. Yes, there's no LeBron James in the East, but guess what? Uh, It was the same for everybody, and Toronto found a way without home court advantage and down 0-2 to get in the Finals. So that being said, here's the segue. They have home court, but realistically, what kind of chance do you now give them in this scenario to win the NBA Finals against the Warriors?
0: Well, it's a couple things. It seems like Kevin Durant is not going to play in game one. Well, I mean, he is not going to play in Game One. He's traveling with the team. you would think he's not going to play, who knows if there's a final change? But chances are he won't. Who knows if he'll play in Game Two? Who knows if he'll play in the entire series? That there's still, you know, it seems like a long shot now. This thing is lingering. It's been three weeks, and he's still not ready to play. But you know, obviously, that's an advantage for Toronto not to worry about Kevin Durant. But you know, on the flip side, the Warriors have played better without Durant. Right. So it's like, you
1: let me just, ask. Let me ask because this this is out there. Uh, There is plenty of speculation as we're taping Three Dog Thursday that the Warriors know he cannot play in this series, and the the indication is if he could somehow play next week at the time that we're taping, if he could be ready for Game 3, Game 4 next week, that they would leave him in Northern California to rehab, take the therapy etc., cetera, etc., cetera, not get on a plane and fly four or five hours to Toronto, that they are indicating without saying it, he can't play in the next two weeks. It's too injured, and so he's going to go and continue to do some rehab, but he's not available even, this is a, even if this is a seven-game series. What, what do you buy on that speculative uh, read into why he's on the trip and not staying behind to maybe play in Game 3 or Game 4 in Oakland?
0: I'll be honest, I don't know. I I, I don't know if they're playing mind games. I don't trust anybody. So, uh, you know, whatever they (laughs) say, I don't buy anyway. But also, is is Kevin Durant, you know, the reports of him not returning to the Warriors, leaving a free agency to go somewhere else? Is he just trying to be a good soldier by going to Toronto with the team to show support? You know, is he trying to do that and not be like an outcast? As I'm sure he feels like an outcast on this team that won. A championship and won 73 games without him uh, before he arrived. I'm sure they they really feel. uh, I'm sure he feels that way, but he still you know is not going to give up a championship either. But I mean I don't know what that feeling is. But as far as just going back to what Toronto has to do, and I know this is not I'm not breaking any news here, but they have to shoot the ball. They have to shoot the ball well, and if they're going to Jump out to a fifteen-point lead like Portland did. You got to hold that fifteen-point lead, and I think that's. I think what's going to be telling about Golden State, with or without Durant, they still have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and if Iguodala's is healthy, like they, these guys still want a championship. So it's not like they're a bunch of stiffs anyway. That what's going to be telling is the three games that Golden State came back to beat Portland in two, three, and four, down double digits. It seemed like they were out of it. Was that an anomaly? Was that them just getting off to slow starts and they were just better than Portland? Or is this, hey, they did enough to beat Portland because Damian Lillard was hurt and the Blazers, you know, just ran out of gas and and Golden State just was better than them? Or maybe it's a sign of things to come that Toronto's better than Portland. So, you know, if Toronto jumps out to a big lead, maybe they can hold off Golden State in some of these games. So I think that'll be kind of telling in this series if we see Toronto jump out to any of these big leads and they end up winning and holding off golden state which portland couldn't do
1: all right let's have some fun uh with the odds obviously uh golden state is the betting favorite right now even without the home court advantage so it would be considered a, a toronto upset give me gauge me it, it, does toronto uh have a 10 percent chance here do they have a 50 chance because they have home court advantage what would you just say just uh just on an educated guess
0: I mean, I I don't think when you have home court advantage and you won more games than Golden State, regardless, I don't think you have a 10% chance. I mean, even last year, you know, I mentioned Golden State has only had, uh, or had not had home court advantage one time in this this stretch. That was against Houston last year in the Western Conference Finals. They still had to beat them in Game 7 on the road without Chris Paul. Yep. All right, so... You know, I'm not going to say that Golden State is going to go in and sweep Toronto because I I think that's the most unlikely. I think a sweep either way is the most unlikely scenario. I still think Toronto, because they have Kawhi Leonard and because of here, here's what I think, TJ. I think that Toronto is in a good position. Let me rephrase it. I think Golden State's at a bit of a disadvantage here because they don't have the same exact game plan. They had the last four years. Okay, let LeBron do what he's got to do, yeah. and then a few times shut down Kyrie Irving, and then you have a bunch of veteran over-the-hill guys that, you know, you have to worry about. Toronto's got younger players. They have a younger star, in Kawhi Leonard. This is a different dynamic that they're dealing with. Now you got to go to Toronto instead of going to Cleveland. And I just think that it's not going to be as easy for them, you know, like it was the last few years where – LeBron just took over. Kawhi Leonard can take over games, but there are other guys that are more than capable of stepping up for the Raptors and trying to help out to get the Raptors in a position to win. And also, Toronto has been very good defensively at home during these playoffs. You look at their numbers; they throw out the double overtime game against Milwaukee, but a lot of these games they're holding opponents to under 100 points. So I really wonder, you know, what what that kind of effect is going to be coming
1: yeah. up. All right, so look for a couple of things. Uh, one of them, how does Toronto defend the three, and specifically, how many open threes do they allow? That's one of the things that Golden State kills you with, is with open looks, and what does is, what is Golden State shoot, percentage-wise, in these games when they have wide open threes, which they're trying to get. And I think Draymond Green is the real key here. If he plays the way he did in the Portland series, in terms of being an extra ball handler on the break excellent passer, uh, was averaging like seven assists or eight assists in the Portland series, had a couple of triple doubles because of it. If he plays that way in the Toronto series, they're in big trouble. So those are the two things I'm looking for. How well does Toronto defend the three overall, in particular the open threes? How many open looks are they allowing? And it's so difficult to guard all the Warriors on the perimeter with as many good shooters as they have even without Durant. And then how does Draymond Green play? Interesting for three dog Thursday purposes. The odds are out for finals MVP. Steph Curry is the overwhelming five to eight favorite to be the MVP. Kawhi Leonard is an 11 to four underdog, air quotes. Um, Draymond Green is 10 to one. Uh, what do you think about Draymond Green as possible finals MVP at 10 to one here for Golden State, Kevin?
0: I mean, obviously, you know. He, he can do it. Andre Iguodala is one of the NBA Finals MVP for the Warriors. And interestingly enough, Steph Curry's never won an MVP. How about that? So, you know, that that's kind of a, a, a storyline going into this. And obviously, Curry's case will be helped out more if Kevin Durant doesn't play, because you saw what he's done the last few games, the last four against Portland and the last half of that Houston game, the game clinching uh, game six. That you see what he does without Durant in the lineup. So if Durant plays eventually, that's going to hurt Curry's case. Obviously, if Durant doesn't play, the Curry will be helped out. I mean, for if you were to look at Toronto, I think it'd be silly to go with anybody other than Kawhi. Just, I mean, I think Kyle Lowry's taking over the series. I don't think that, Kyle Lowry, you know,
1: by the way, 75 to 1 at the current listing. Yeah, that's so.
0: That's just a waste. You know, Mark Gasol is not going to take over the series. <laughs> so it, it would just be Kawhi Leonard for Toronto. Then for Golden State, you have different options. A lot of people want to go with Klay Thompson potentially.
1: He is 20 to 1. Klay Thompson, 20 to 1. I you play. like that better? You like that better than Draymond Green at 10 to 1?
0: No. No, I don't. I'll tell you why. Because I feel like with Klay Thompson, he's going to have one of those 35 point, seven three pointer games. But then, not that he disappears, but then he'll score 17. Or 19. That's not winning MVPs. Now Draymond Green can score 18, but also pull down 11 rebounds yep. and dish out 30 assists. So that's the difference. He's getting triple doubles. So I would lean more Draymond Green more than Clay Thompson. But as far as you know, you look at Steph Curry as the favorite. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. Just because of you know what he can do. You know this guy can score. 30, can easily score 35 a game in the series just because of, of who he is.
1: All right, we'll be be interested to see as Game 1 is Thursday and then Game 2 is not until Sunday night in Toronto. How stale is Golden State having not played in over a week and then having to travel east and then Toronto just played this past weekend to clinch the Eastern Conference Finals? And, uh, and as this thing goes on, does Kevin Durant become a factor with the injury? Are they, as Kevin said, playing possum? Uh, we're gonna find out. All right, one more subject, and it was, it was obviously this past Memorial Day weekend a time to remember, uh, those fallen in the line of duty, whether you're talking about military, first responders, police, fire, uh, those that keep us safe. So we, we always were mindful, and we are every year, of, of those individuals that have given their lives, but also on Memorial Day weekend from a sports standpoint uh, just some some awful um, news on a couple of fronts I mean one of them one of our colleagues we should just say this in the broadcasting family Rod Bramlett the longtime voice of the Auburn Tigers um, who I had the privilege of interviewing on one occasion uh, way back when did not know him personally very beloved play-by-play announcer at Auburn killed in an automobile accident uh, over Memorial Day weekend he and his wife uh bramlett had been the alabama sportscaster of the year on three occasions famous uh for the call of the kick six play uh for auburn to defeat alabama in the iron bowl game of 2013 on the on the missed field goal return called auburn's national championship football win with cam newton at quarterback recently called the basketball final four with bruce pearl where they lost somewhat controversially to virginia at the end of that game So again, he was killed in an automobile accident, but Bart Starr, the legendary quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, 85 years of age, uh, passed away, of course, led the Packers to all those championships in the 60s, really was synonymous with Vince Lombardi's uh, teams. Hey, Kevin, quick story. I I put this on social media, but I'll share it with the Three Dog Thursday audience. You talk about a different era and a different time. This is almost unthinkable. Bart Starr, back in the 1960s and the early 70s, when he was a player for the Green Bay Packers, would work in the offseason as a tire salesman. Uh, He would do that in Alabama in the offseason. He he went to the University of Alabama, lived in Alabama. And I believe he also may have done this also in Green Bay, where he was more well-known in the summer as well. But he he was the former star quarterback of the Packers, former Super Bowl MVP, all those titles. And he had to sell tires to help make extra money. Boy, you talk about a different era in sports. And he was proud of it. He he. When I interviewed him, this has been about 2006 on Sirius XM. I had a chance to interview Bart Starr. It's not like he was ashamed of it, Kevin. That he enjoyed dealing with the community in Green Bay or in Alabama and helping them sell tires. He's the this is the equivalent of the Tom Brady of the 1960s that had to have a job in the summer to help pay the bills. It is a different time. Right? Real quick.
0: Well, well, and also, too, I mean, think about this for a second, that we're so obsessed with OTAs and this and that, and these guys have got to be working out. And, you know, imagine Aaron Rodgers. He's not at OTAs because he's busy at Tire Kingdom, you know, somewhere <laughs> in, in Green Bay Aaron, should I wherever. go with
1: the white walls or should I go with the radials? I just, I can't, I can't picture that like Bart Starr, but it's a good point. It's a good visual.
0: I, I always think of that line from Major League when Lou Brown, when he first gets the call before he uh, manages the Indians, it's working, he's at Tire World, he's like, he's like, I gotta go, I got somebody in the line that wants a pair of White Walls. Oh. Uh, I'll call you later.
1: Oh, that's tremendous. Uh, it's just, it's a different it's, time. Yeah, we, we can't think about it.
0: Selling shoes and selling tires, and it's that's what it was.
1: Uh, hey, and and you look at the world champion Yankees, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, those guys—they had other gigs off the field, selling things, endorsing things in the offseason to make extra money. It was not twenty million dollars a year, uh, like it is in the present day to buy your own mansions, your 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 yachts, your planes, whatever you have. So different era. And so then I'm leading also to Bill Buckner, who passed away uh, at the age of sixty-nine. And this is a this has been a hot button topic about the first mention, any mention of Bill Buckner for the past 30 years has been the 86 World Series and the ball rolling between his legs and Buckner choking that play, et cetera, et cetera. I will say this. I want your opinion. I I believe that's totally unfair to Bill Buckner, his baseball legacy, that that is the first thing and the most prominent thing to always talk about. Kevin, your opinion about whether we're unfair to Bill Buckner's legacy when that's the first thing everywhere that seems like it's being mentioned,
0: a couple things. Number one, in full disclosure, because I'm a little young—I'm 38. I mean, I'm not 20, right? But I really, growing up and seeing that highlight, I did not know what Bill Buckner did prior to the Red Sox. Okay, right. I didn't know him with the Cubs. I didn't know him with the Dodgers. What he did, hitting accolades—I knew none of that. All I knew was that error. Okay. Now, with that being said, just just putting that out there. All right, that. It's extremely unfair for a couple reasons. Number one, and this is what this is like the Bartman thing. You still at Game Seven. That's right. So Bill Buckner makes that error on the Mookie Wilson hit, or the Mookie Wilson grounder. I guess it's an error. Right. That the Red Sox win Game Seven. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And it's and it's like not even mentioned. They
1: were leading Game 7, and leading Game 7 in about the 6th inning or the 7th inning with Calvin Chiraldi, while we're naming names, on the mound, and he couldn't hold the lead. Ray Knight hit the tying home run, they went ahead, they beat the Red Sox, as you mentioned, in Game 7, and nobody remembers that. Nobody talks about it, to well, your point.
0: So, like, it's like department thing, that... He goes there, and the Cubs still couldn't stop the Marlins score, like seven runs that inning, and the Cubs still led game seven. It's like, stop complaining about this, and, and you know what? You need to take responsibility for your loss. Don't put on one guy, all right, one guy that lost the game. You know, it's the same thing with the Reds. When the Reds played the Red Sox in the 1975 World Series, and Carlton Fisk hit that home run off the foul pole, it's a great baseball moment. But the Red Sox didn't win the World Series. That's they lost right. Game 7, so it didn't matter. Do you
1: remember the pitcher? I don't remember the pitcher that gave up the home run. Give me the factoid. Pat Duffy. No
0: one remembers him because, you know what, he didn't lose the World Series for that. It
1: didn't matter. <laughs> That's true. It's one of the you indelible never- moments. 4th, 4th. And, that was, and that was a Game 6 that Red Sox fans want to remember because Carlton Fisk won it with the foul pole home run, the ball off the foul pole with him begging it to be uh, to be fair. Yeah.
0: No, do you know what it is? It's that it should be mentioned, you know, longtime baseball veteran, you know, hitter blah blah blah, you he know, had blah, 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 blah. he had 2700
1: career hits, just short of the all-time benchmark that gets you into the Hall of Fame. That's not an accident. 1980 batting title, uh, a former All-Star uh, it played in. Let me let me look. He played in several thousand games. A uh, distinguished uh, long-term uh, infielder in Major League Baseball. And look, uh, I realize we magnify everybody for you know what they did, Scott Norwood, the missed field goal for the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. He was a tremendous kicker. He had made a lot of clutch kicks, a lot of game winning kicks, but he's only known for that, seemingly that one missed kick, and I think that's unfair uh, as well. and he's had to live with that. Here's the other thing. So when you go back to that that 1986 World Series and that Game 6 and the chance that the Red Sox had to clinch it, to your point about the pitchers, nobody remembers the name Bob Stanley. Bob Stanley is the pitcher, and I'm calling him out. Bob Stanley is the pitcher that threw the wild pitch just before the play where Mookie Wilson grounded the ball. That wild pitch allows Kevin Mitchell to score from third. It allows Ray Knight to go to second. And it's completely 100% solely on Bob Stanley, the relief pitcher. It's not like somebody hit the ball and two or three people could have made the play. It's his wild pitch. That set up the key sequence next of Wilson grounding the ball, Buckner not being able to field it, and Ray Knight scores from second base to win the game. So Bob Stanley shouldn't escape this either. Uh, For his friends, acquaintances, family, or whatever, he should be just as much scrutinized for what he did a couple of pitches before. There's another famous argument that Buckner had an injured foot and could barely run, and that he was never going to beat Mookie Wilson to the bag anyway. And Bob Stanley, by the way, was nowhere in the area code when Buckner fielded the ball. Mookie Wilson was going to beat the play anyway. Now the question is, would Ray Knight have continued to try to score, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so many things that we go back to with that '86 World Series that the Mets won. I just, I, I, I was, um, in in watching all of the coverage. The first thing we got to talk about: ESPN's putting it on the crawl. Bill Buckner dies at age 69, made famous error to end, you know, Game Six of the of the '86 World Series. That's the first thing that we come to mind on a guy that got. 2,700 career hits, won a batting title, played in played in several other postseasons, by the way, as a player as well, including in the 70s. So uh, that's a shame. It's a shame to me. And the Red Sox, by the way, and the fans have forgiven him, Kevin. They welcomed him back, and they've forgiven him. So I think we should we should move on on his legacy, not just being that play. At least you and I agree.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just, and the Red Sox, as soon as they won our World Series, they, they should have, you know, welcomed him back. And they it. did. And they did. They they I mean, You out. can't blame, I mean, look, to blame one person for one play when it wasn't even, in a sense, the championship game or the yep. deciding game, when they still had one in their pocket and you still lose, like, it's as simple as that. Like, take some responsibility. And, you know, just to go back to the Bills thing for a second, and I understand that was, like, lost the Super Bowl. The Bills went the next three years of the Super Bowl. They lost all, all three times. So oh, they right. had chances to go. They had chances to win, and they couldn't. So, you know... Stop blaming somebody.
1: Stop blaming just one guy. All right, don't blame us here. We've got to get out of here. Give me a plug. VegasInsider.com. They're listening to us on Three Dog Thursday. You have tremendous information, particularly in and around the NBA Finals and all else that's going on, right?
0: Yep. We have NBA Finals. They'll be underway. The Stanley Cup Final continues with the Bruins and the Blues. We have WNBA underway, which I know you're really excited about. (laughs) Major League Baseball as well as we transition into June. So two months in the books, you had some surprises early on, some disappointments, and uh, you know still got a long way to go in baseball season. And we're still keeping up with the NFL and college football. You can check out. We have some pieces on win totals uh, that uh, have gotten some good traffic. As far as you know, looking ahead to the 2019 season, also looking ahead at some lines for the NFL already past week one, going through to week 16. Some of those have been uh, some early lines have been released. So you can check those out as well as college football. So if you just want to care about football, that's fine. You can check those out as well at VegasInsider.com or on Twitter at
1: TwitVI. Very good. By the way, big heavyweight title showdown as well. Uh, Coming on Saturday night, Anthony Joshua, who owns three of the heavyweight championship belts from Great Britain, fighting in the United States for the first time. Madison Square Garden. Kevin is very excited to see American fill in challenger, a late replacement, Andy Ruiz Jr., who is he's got a body that is more like the average Joe than a heavyweight contender. We'll see what Andy Ruiz uh, Jr. has in this uh, title fight with Anthony Joshua. Madison Square Garden Saturday night. And again, uh, we hope hope at some point Deontay Wilder the American who has the WBC belt gets to fight Joshua down the road but it's Joshua's turn his US debut you can read about that on Vegasinsider.com and by the way we'll plug away as well uh, to check out here through Red Circle podcasting and however you found this podcast check out the Big Fight Weekend podcast as well on Red Circle or on iTunes and Stitcher just like you found Three Dog Thursday we'll talk more about the fights every week including the Joshua fight there as part of Big Fight Weekend Kevin Rogers thank you great stuff i always love the insight whether it's nba finals uh, or even on bill buckner or all else that's on our our minds and on the plate thank you for this week sir we appreciate it
0: all right you got it And also i know that you have the latest podcast i'll just tell you this is special agent wayne terrence
1: oh yes the firm on the uh on the we've seen that the we the 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 tom cruise gene hackman the firm is our podcast this week kevin giving us a, a great plug uh get me a map of louisiana Thank you uh, for Agent Wayne Terrence there from the FBI, from the firm. Kevin, great stuff. Thank you, my friend. See you later. All right, TJ. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves. However you found us, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play to the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Enjoy the finals. We're back next week here on the only digital radio show devoted to those underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.